This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. So Miss Z was a single mom of two. She was working her tail off to provide for her two elementary school girls to put food on the table for pay the um, roof over their head to buy school supplies and do extracurriculars that her kids wanted to do. And she had worked so hard to rise from her humble beginnings to be the self-sufficient woman that she was. And that was enough for me to admire her. But it was what she did on Saturdays that really inspired me because all week long she saved money from her tight, tight budget. She saved money for a meal that she would put together Saturday morning. It was pots of soup, pans of casseroles, delicious veggies, warm rolls, tasty desserts, and she would load up her beat-up Corolla and her two little girls, and she would head to the local park. This is the park where you'd see people digging through the trash for scraps of food. This was the park where people slept on the bench if there wasn't room in the shelter. And so she pulled up to this park and she unloaded her trunk and she put it on the picnic table and she invited anybody, everybody, to come eat with her family. She ate with anybody who came. She talked with them. She laughed with them. She wept with them. She rejoiced with them all in the name of Jesus. I have no idea how much this cost her on a week-to-week baseless, but I am sure it was costly. I'm sure it was not dipping into her surplus, but instead coming from that place in her budget where sometimes she might think, ouch, this is expensive. And yet she was faithful, giving of herself with a humble heart and a gracious smile on her face. And I asked her once, what compels you to do this? And she said, God's been so good to me. God's been so generous to me, and I want to be good to others. It was her gratitude, her gratitude, that inspired her to bless hundreds of lives. We're continuing a sermon series today called Generous, where we're talking about how God is so generous to us, and that God wants to be generous through us to others. This is the story of Miss C. God's generosity blessed her and then flowed through her to bless others. And you and I know that people are generous. They give for lots of different reasons. Sometimes people give out of a sense of guilt or obligation. Sometimes they just want to do good and get that, that good feeling we get when we do good. But none of those are the ideal motivations for giving. The scriptural motivation, the ideal motivation for giving is not guilt or obligation or self-fulfillment. It is gratitude. Gratitude. Gratitude is at the heart of one of the most beautiful stories in scripture, one of the most beautiful stories of sacrificial giving in scripture, and it's the story of Mary of Bethany. And the story begins when her brother Lazarus falls ill. She and her sister Martha recognize that Lazarus' illness is dangerous, so they send word to Jesus, whom is friends with Lazarus, asking that Jesus come quick and heal him, but Jesus didn't get there in time. And they sat helplessly by Lazarus' bedside as he breathed his last, and they wept, and they grieved And the days that followed were a blur where they prepared 
his body for burial, and then came the funeral when they laid their brother to rest, and still Jesus did not appear. Four days passed. Four days after the funeral, where Mary and Martha were grieving and weeping and wondering what in the world they were going to do now that their brother, their breadwinner, was gone. Four days passed until Jesus arrived. And when he came to town, Mary and Martha took him to Lazarus's grave so that he could pay his respects. And a crowd of their friends followed them, weeping and grieving. And Jesus saw the tomb where Lazarus was laid, and he himself wept. But his weeping moved to action because he demanded that they roll away the stone that was closing off the tomb. And when they did, he yelled with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man was made alive, and he walked out of his tomb, still wrapped up in his grave clothes. And Jesus said, unbind him and let him go. Now, can you imagine Mary in that moment? Her brother, who was dead, was now alive. Her brother, who was gone for good, was now back, and their family was whole, all because of Jesus' miraculous intervention. Her heart was filled with joy, but not everyone rejoiced over this miracle. Some saw what happened and they immediately went to the Pharisees and reported all that they had seen. And the Pharisees called an emergency meeting with the chief priests. And here's what they said. What are we to do? This man is performing many signs If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and destroy both our holy place and our nation. And so the chief priests and the Pharisees decided in that moment that the only solution to Jesus was to kill him. And from that moment on, they started to look for ways to put him to death. And they sent the word out saying, if anyone knows where Jesus is, let us know so that we might arrest him. The irony doesn't escape me that it was Jesus' gift of giving life that precipitated his death. Jesus, the giver of life, was facing death because he gave life. So it wasn't yet time for Jesus to give his life away, so he um, withdrew to a, a private remote place where no one could find him until it was time for the festival of the Passover where he would go to Jerusalem and sacrifice himself for the whole world. And as they made their way back to Jerusalem, they passed through Bethany where they visited with Lazarus and Mary and Martha. And as they were in town visiting with their friends, Lazarus and Mary and Martha, Mary and Martha decided that they needed to throw a party in honor of Jesus who gave them their brother back. So they invited all of their friends, and Martha cooked this amazing meal, and they were all gathering around the table together, celebrating that Lazarus was alive, and there Mary sat as well, but she felt a wrestling within her. She was wrestling with the joy of Lazarus being alive, but also the weight of Jesus's impending death. You see, somehow... Somehow Mary knew that Jesus, the giver of life, was facing certain death. Somehow Mary knew that Jesus had traded his own life 
for her brother's life. How could love be so costly, she wondered. And so her heart was filled with both joy over her brother's life, but also grief for Jesus' coming death. And throughout it all, she felt this deep and abiding sense of gratitude for the costly gift that Jesus had given her. And so Mary did the unthinkable. She did what no one in their respectable mind would ever do. She went and found in her belongings a pound's worth of costly perfume, worth 300 denarii, which was a year's salary. So in North Carolina, the average annual salary is about $40,000. So in her hand, she held $40,000 worth of perfume. This was Mary's life insurance. If Lazarus had stayed dead, this could have been what she might have used to put food on her table. This was her security portfolio. And keep that in mind as I read Mary's story from John chapter 12. Six days before the Passover, six days before Jesus' death, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. So it was common practice in those days for guests' feet to be washed by the lowliest of servants whenever a dinner party was thrown. And it was also common practice for guests to have their heads anointed with oil at such a banquet. But it was never, ever, ever combined. Never in a million years would anyone pour oil on a guest's feet and never would anyone dry their, those feet with unbound hair. This was a scandalous display of gratitude. This was a scandalous display of love. This was a generosity unparalleled. And it would have been deemed inappropriate by good society. So Judas, who was greedy for any money he could get his hands on, scolded Mary for wasting such a fortune. But Jesus said, leave her alone. This was her gift to me to prepare me for death. And indeed, that fragrance that filled the house would have seeped into Jesus' skin. In four days... He would share the Last Supper with his disciples and give them bread and wine and say, I'm about to give my broken body and my poured out blood for you. And that fragrance would have reminded him of 
Mary's gratitude and understanding. In five days, Jesus would be arrested and beaten, and that fragrance would remind him that he's not alone in his moment of suffering. And then he would soon be handed over to crucifixion and a um, death that is full of suffering. And in his moments of pain and agony, that fragrance would remind him why he's sacrificing himself so willingly. Mary's gratitude led her to give a sacrificial gift to Jesus. And her sacrificial gift likely sustained Jesus through his sacrificial gift, the giving of himself for the brokenness of the world. Now there's a myth that floats around Christian um, circles that the Christian life is meant to be a comfortable life, a predictable life, a respectable life. When we look at this beautiful moment in scripture, Mary's actions were anything but predictable They were anything but respectable, and they certainly made nobody comfortable. And so her story reminds us that to love Jesus well, sometimes we have to step outside of our comfort zones. Mary reminds us, she teaches us that sometimes we are called to give more and do more than what is comfortable, than what is respectable, than what is expected. Here at Apex, we have so many opportunities for leadership and service, and likely many of you are feeling called to step out of your comfort zone in some way or another to follow Jesus more closely, to serve in a new capacity. And it can feel scary to, um, and uncomfortable to be called to do something such as that. And we're going to watch a video now of Norma Keyes, one of our members, who felt that tug to step out of her comfort zone and serve with AOSP, Appalachian Outreach Service Project, which is a a week-long summer project with teenagers where we go and fix up houses in our local community. So let's hear from Norma about how she responded to God's call. So Norma reminds us to hold fast to those baptismal vows that we just made not so long ago to give of ourselves to others as God has given to us. And we give of ourselves freely and generously as God freely and generously gave himself for us. In this season of generosity, we're reflecting on how We might encourage one another to be generous, not just in our time and our service, but also in our resources and how we offer our financial gifts to support God's work through the church. You've seen this generosity ladder the last couple weeks, and this is not meant to be um, a a sign of judgment. It's just to help you identify kind of where you are in your generosity journey and how God might be calling you to grow in that journey. Um, And today we're thinking about how um, God calls us to be sacrificial in 
our giving, just as Mary was sacrificial in her giving. But I think there's two different ways we can think about sacrificial giving. One of those ways is the way on this ladder when we're already tithing, we're already giving 10% of our income, and we want to give above and beyond that, maybe for a special cause or because we know the church could use it, because we just feel that calling to give sacrificially. That is one way to um, give sacrificially. Another way to think about sacrificial giving is to think about any giving that we give that is not from our surplus. It's a giving that um, comes anytime we don't have that surplus of money and we still give faithfully and consistently and generously with grateful hearts. I think of Miss Z who did not have a surplus of income and yet she saved and she gave faithfully to share God's kingdom with her community. I love this quote from Ann Voskamp when she defined what sacrificial giving is. She said, we're not giving what we're called to give unless that giving affects how we live, affects what we put on our plate and where we make our home and hang our hat and what kind of threads we've got on our back. Surplus giving is the leftover you can afford to give. Sacrificial giving is the love gift that changes how you live because the love of Christ has changed you. God doesn't want your leftovers. God wants your love overtures, your first overs, because he is your first love. Surplus giving is the leftover that you can afford to give. Sacrificial giving is the love gift that changes how you live because Christ has changed you. Sacrificial giving comes from a heart of gratitude and it shapes a grateful heart into an abundantly joyful heart. So when you came in today, you received a pledge card Um, If you are not a paper person, but you're a digital person, you can go to apexumc.org slash give, and that will take you to an online pledge form. And if you've not already done so, I encourage you to fill out your pledge card today. It's really important as a church for us to be good stewards of our combined resources to know what to expect so that we can plan well for our missions and ministries in the year to come. And that's why pledging is important um, for the church, but it's also important for your own life of discipleship because your pledge is your gift of love to Christ. It's your gift of love that changes lives around you just as Christ has changed your life. So as you fill out your pledge card, as you ponder the various ways that God is calling you to step outside of your comfort zone, to serve, to give yourself for others, I invite you to remember Missy. I invite you to remember Norma Keys. I invite you to remember Mary of Bethany. Together, their stories remind us that God doesn't call us to be comfortable. God calls us to be faithful. God doesn't want our leftovers, God wants our firstovers. God doesn't want us to sit back and bask in his generosity, God wants us to let his generosity flow through us to others. This is the call of discipleship, and the surprising thing is that this is the way of an abundantly joyful life. So let us pray. 
Oh God, we are here before you with grateful hearts. Like Mary of Bethany, we remember those ways that you have intervened in our lives and filled us with awe and gratitude and joy. And for that, we give you thanks and praise. Give us eyes to always see you at work around us so that we might be filled with gratitude for who you are and what you do. And help us to open up our hearts to you that you might flow through us to show your generosity to others. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.